Welcome to You were. All right. When last we left, we had a drunken interaction inside the tree or the fortress or the, not the fortress, the palisade over here with our centaur friend and our leader of the group over here. And then over here we had with Chukorg and Yuturu a very angry very quick rushing something up from the ground coming towards them at a rapid pace so let's start off with drunk things because i like that so all right right. as you recall you were going to i believe um elric was going to explain the nature of the danger that awaited the group and then they were going to get a look at the sea charts if i recall correctly Not take notes, last session. Okay, so Ehrlich kind of leans on his arm and looks to Jan. Was that the name of the head of the camp? Or Gene? Gene. It's something with a J. Okay, Gene. He would look to Gene and say, okay. The nature of the threat, very well. Um, do, do you really want, right, on a side note, do you really want me to explain this, or do you kind of want me to give you an idea of the direction Ehrlich would take this? Yeah, just how realistic it's going to be. Yeah, just he, have to be like word for word. But Okay, he, he would tell him, you know, you've got a, what you have on this island is you have a central spirit of some form. It is a powerful being that holds sway over this area. It has bound to it smaller spirits, lesser spirits. These spirits are themselves bound to it, but have their own will. They are invisible to you. They are not invisible to myself and my associates. They are also not invisible to your shamanistic centaur friend here. The problem is that they are, for one, messing with you. They are perfectly content to do that. They are also messing with the natives of the island. And they will continue to do so. If you start to violate their area, they are more than capable of killing you. And you will not see them coming. Now, what makes this worse is that there is absolutely one of them that is on its way here, now. We know this because we encountered them before. All right. I'm going to ask you to make a roll. And that is going to be of the leadership quality. Why? <laughs> because you are attempting to lead someone who does not wish to be led. Uh, he's not really trying to lead him. He's just trying to explain to him what's going to go on. Well, I would say, unless you're going to try to charm him into believing what you're going trying to say, because uh, I don't feel like you're trying to coerce or deceive him. So, 
he he's just trying to lay knowledge upon Gene. And now you get to see how convincing this argument is to Gene. I think you need to grow sexy legs, honey, if you really want to charm his pants off. The too short. Leadership. Okay. Dwarves don't believe in sexy legs. That's why they got beards. <laughs> and Ehrlich doesn't believe in leadership roles, but we're going to do this. <sighs> okay. Group them together. It doesn't count. Oh, one failure and an advantage. No, I, I said it before we read it. No. <laughs> what did you say? And he didn't group. He didn't like do the shuffle where they're all right next to each other, so it doesn't count. Oh, we're not going to get into dice logistics. <laughs> There's no rule against rolling each group of positive and negative dice separately and then hitting read. Right. Right. So, uh, Gene looks uh, less than impressed with your overall speech. I've heard these stories before, but if there is true danger, and kind of using your advantage, if there is true danger, then I tell you what, and he pulls out a bag. This here is my latest copy of a sea chart. I will give you a look at it. And you can go with Helix there to ensure that whatever this danger is does not affect the overall mission of what we are attempting to do. And then, in the successful return of our people, if these things are truly as dangerous and terrifying as you say, and you protect our people, I will give you this copy of the sea map for your personal use. Quick, who's got photographic memory? Not me. I can stealth really good, but I can't remember things that well. Well, the robot did. Yeah, BLT was our walking, talking pictograph machine. Yeah, you guys are carrying his corpse around, dragging. I think he's laying in a corner right now. All right, no, he is resting. It's like the Master Chief in the Cryo 2. BLT will come back to save the day at a later time when his people really need him. Well, can, can, we, can we burn a story token to say that he's become absorbed of some spirit in actuality and, and and just kind of like coalescing with the greater environment? Well, he's with our group anyway, so he's not going to yeah. be good. Yeah, we have to haul him around. Even though he's kind of too heavy for that. So, do we have a deal? Arthur jabs at the dwarf and goes, take it. Ehrlich would, would huff heavily and push his eyes, his fingers into his eyes a little bit. Gene looks Gene over, over at Sybil. Uh, your friends here seem to be rather reminiscent to take my deal. Perhaps a smarter, cooler head will prevail here. And he holds out the map to you. We'll do it. Let me see the map. 
He uh, gets a broad smile across his face as he passes over the map to you guys, rolls it out onto the table, drops a few little stones on it. It is a very detailed map of the local area, as well as coming back all the way to the mainland and several... You can see several areas that you'll definitely want to avoid. They have been marked out. There are sea currents and all that sort of stuff. And also uh, marks of a couple planar bubbles that are active planar bubbles uh, on the world. So uh, very, very uh, detailed and very informative map. Time out. Erle- mm-hmm. Erlich would like to perform an action. I just had an idea. Erlich would kind of nudge Brutus. The idea is that he wants to cause enough of a distraction with the dog potentially doing something annoying such that he has more time to kind of absorb what's on this map. He is a practice scholar, so he is used to kind of absorbing details, and he is not going to be able to recount this perfectly from memory, But at the same time, he should at least be able to know where the island is in regards to the proper shore of the mainland. If there are any of these major planar bubbles that we need to avoid and where they are relative to the to the rest of this island, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he would kind of want to get the broad strokes enough that they could at least have a direction to head in after all is said and done, whatever happens when he leaves this this area. But at the same time, he may need a couple of seconds to do this. All right. So a couple options. You could work with your party members to do create some sort of distraction with Brutus, you could flip a story point if you want to very heavily non-communicate with Brutus, because usually a lot of your communication has been verbal. But if you want to use like one of your practiced hand signals or something, uh, might be a good story point use. Right. So uh, Alistair approaches the dwarf and says that's entirely too much information to glean. Not like shouting so that everybody can hear him, but like just loud enough so that. Erla can hear it. And uh, goes, how much time would you need to be able to get something valuable out of it? You're having this conversation in front of Gene? <laughs> Again, discreetly as discreetly as I can. Remember, I'm a master of stealth. <laughs> it's like whispering in Erlich's ear. Okay, Erlich would reach up and Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, so what about this? I roll a straight knowledge check. And the number of advantages kind of counts towards the amount of time that he needs to kind of absorb the map semi-well. Okay, I can see that. Okay. And of course, failure and success straight up comes down to does he even succeed at this task in the first place or does he like look at the map and commit the common map reading mistake of reading the north arrow as a south arrow or something like that all right let's do it 
Or actually, now that I look at this, would it be better for it to be a geography role? Ooh, you do have knowledge of geography, don't you? It's a trained skill for him, and he has the intellect that he can basically fudge it. But um, yeah. yeah, I guess it would be like one or two. Wow, yeah, I guess it would be good. Yeah, it would just be five greens. Okay. What's the um, disadvantage here? Uh, I think it's average difficulty, but then I'm going to give you a, a setback because Gene's obviously watching. Okay. Okay, three successes and an advantage. Okay, so how much okay, how much time would you think would be a good base amount of time that he would need to absorb this map? Like five minutes? I mean if you're truly to fully observe it, I'd say five minutes. If you're looking to get a few of the highlights, you could probably have it done in thirty seconds to a minute if you just want to like quick get the highlights. Okay, what Ehrlich would do since he's trying to answer um, Alice, what? What, Marius? He's trying to answer Alistair's question without saying anything. He would just kind of reach up and scratch his beard with like two fingers, just like that. All right, how's, how, how perceptive do I have to be? Do I have to roll to figure this out? <laughs> no, I, I would say you can you can uh, intuit it based on that Ash's roll. So, cool. All right. So, uh, Alistair picking up on that, um, kind of pulls out his coin purse and uh, asks Gene, uh, "Do you guys do any kind of brawling or uh, maybe arm wrestling competitions around here? Someplace that a, a gentleman can make some coin." He looks over at the secretary and says, my secretary can establish you to the lower adventurers' ranks where they take care of such matters. And, and we'll star swipe over to the other group as you guys get ready to do your thing. All right. So you guys are in the tower at the top step, back outside of the little chamber where the boy was. Uh, you heard the screeching noise rushing up the stairs as the trunk was being pulled on from above, uh, there is something massive coming up the chamber through the center towards you guys rapidly. Now, in terms of our environment, is there space for a large thing to get through? Because we have this hatch at the staircase, but how big is that hatch? Now, as the, the staircase comes to a dead end, right? Well, it, it kind of goes up into the hatch in the ceiling. It's kind of like one of those okay, uh, yeah, yeah. storm entrances or any of the other things. And I'm still up there, right? I'm still on the roof. Right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this... Okay. Last we left, you were pulling on the rope to try to get the, the chest moving. Okay, and now we hear something big coming up the stairs. Now, how how far are we from the uh, the portal room? You are 
several floors up. So oh, that ain't gonna work. Okay, true Gork. Being a work of quick thinking and action. Takes the rope he was holding that he had just taken the chest with, puts it in the goat's mouth, and then takes his hand and closes the goat's mouth shut. Jumps back down through the hole onto the platform with Yatiru. Yatiru, we gotta, we gotta hide. Something's coming. Indeed, something angry at you. I uh, imagine that that's Goat's the one who's tugging on that chest. Why did you steal? I didn't steal nothing. <laughs> that Goat Goat got the gumption to try to try to take a chest out of there. Okay, so Chukork uh, reaches into his satchel and pulls out a uh, wand of detect. Super secret doors. I got an idea. Where did you get that? Uh, Oh, uh, you were there when I got it. Off the, uh, the magic shop guy. He asked me to carry some stuff to the boat for him when the, uh, shield started going down. Remember? Mr. Cork, uh, taps his, uh, Taps a finger on his head, trying to jog Yatiru's memory. Yatiru is obviously not buying this. You were there, you watched me do it. Alright, we'll use it. I will give you one chance. You have 20 seconds. If you do not figure it out in 20 seconds, then it is plan B. You do not like plan B. I do not like plan B. The goat you have left to die certainly does not like Plan B. He's... Chukork uh, uh, grunts as he waves the wand. Alright, so if you're going to use magic... Um... Ah, shit. I was hoping it was like a cheat device. <laughs> Please roll me two greens versus two purples. That looks good. All right. Two successes and two threats. So uh, two things light up as you kind of cast this wand about however you do uh, (laughs) with your only the way that two cord can imitate magic. Uh, The Uh, wand lights up and uh, you see it like a blue, almost a blue flame kind of shoot out of it in random directions, and then it settles in two places. One of which is a stair you're very familiar with. Uh, and if you had used it previously, you would have seen that stair light up. Uh, so there, there is option one. Hidden door passage number one is that stair that you've stepped on previously that led to the boys' chamber. It also alights uh, across about across the... Remember, this is a circular staircase. About probably 40 stairs down there appears to be a small brick in the wall that lights up all right decision time which one 
Let's go press the brick. I have a feeling that portal's not going to take us back to the same spot. All right, with that, Yatiru will teleport himself, Chukork, and the inert BLT down to the brick. Foom, foom. Your teleport goes off. You hear the screeching rapidly rising up. Uh, the brick is still outlined in this light blue flame color of the wand. Yatiru immediately mashes that thing. He just leaps up and headbutts it. Let's go. <laughs> the stairs that you are currently on that are right next to the button, it does almost like one of those revolving door things where the whole staircase kind of revolves around in a 360 and twists the stairs, and you and you are now on an outside gallery um, sticking out from the outside of the temple on a walkway about 5 foot by 10 foot um, on the outside with a kind of some type of shielded view so that people couldn't necessarily see you from where you're at. At the same point, you hear that terrifying scream rush past where you were just moments before and head towards the roof. All right, now, Chukork, I must express my disappointment. Do you understand the value of that goat? No, I've got, I believe, not a says. You threw that goat at the trap. It did not faint. You threw it at the small ghost child. It did not faint. You have thrown that goat about and shaken it about. It did not faint. You had the only non-fainting fainting goat from our island. It had become the bravest fainting goat. Defective goat. Listen, if I come carrying that thing out of here without having sacrificed it, the villagers down there would be calling me a hack. Wouldn't believe a word I say, I tell ya. (sighs) Where to now? Tiru looks around. Alright, describe this viewing porch. Yeah, so there's a couple of seats kind of set up here as well that are kind of in a little table. A small decanter sits on the table. It obviously has not been used in quite some time. Um, But there is like a small little bookshelf kind of built into the wall out here. And you can see there's two or three books that appear to be rather old just kind of sitting out on the bookshelf. And then it appears to be some type of like um, almost like a one-way glass type effect like from the from the inside, it has kind of that darkened, tinted color of like a dark blue. But you, having been on the outside, did not notice this protrusion sticking out. So whatever it done is this this porch must be magical in some way to give the appearance from the outside that this first isn't here, and that second there is no protrusion from this part of the temple. Chukork uh, uh, walks over to the table, picks up the decanter, and. Uh, smells the contents a slightly fermented green uh liquid slightly viscous uh in it's just its general appearance kind of sloshes about inside the decanter i want to take a drink all right uh let me see please roll
these two dice for me. <laughs> oh, shit. What did I just do? You drank an unknown liquid, not knowing what it was. That... Without asking me to identify it. <laughs> I smelled it. Okay, now this is an important, uh, important story here. Chuck will pick up and drink anything that he finds, like laying around. Like uh-huh. if you have a pop, if you have a pop and you set it out in his house, he'll pick it up and drink it. He didn't care. He didn't. It didn't go through his head. Okay, that, that that's okay. fair. That's fine. <laughs> okay. What's where are the dice at? Right here. God damn it. 29. Okay, thank you. High, num- high number is good, right? Oh, no, you got... <laughs> uh... Uh, you feel uh, a wave of um, restlessness rush over you. You feel incredibly tired, lethargic as you drink this liquid. Um, as you kind of start to kind of blink uh, you almost tip over you kind of like bash into the one side of the wall and then the other as you this really takes hold uh yuturu obviously you've seen this is there anything you wish to do to respond to this action yeah a heel with restoration <laughs> slapped onto it to remove the ongoing effect <laughs> of whatever is... drunkenness he has you don't <laughs> oh he knows Everything in this temple is trapped. He can guess. Surely the, the bottle of booze is trapped. Come on, Troik. All right. So average uh, with restoration, you said? Or actually, it's, it's easy because you're right next to him, so... Well, I'm debating this because Irv was all like, oh, no, you're not allowed to know. Mm, yes, this <laughs> mysterious well, at minimum, how I'm collapsing over here. Mm, yes. <laughs> Would you have dropped the decanter once you took a swig and started stumbling around? Or are you uh, still holding on to the decanter? Because one way or another, holding, something's going to happen. I want to keep it. I'll put the bottle lid <laughs> back on it. And I'm like, I'm going to keep this stuff for later. This Jew cork. Uh, stumbles or uh, around put uh, he put the cap back on and pocketed into <laughs> his satchel since he's still capable of holding it Itiru is not going to just fro- throw heels at him but is instead going to inquire ah Chukork may, uh, may I see that for a moment yeah, sure did you set it up the table no you're not going to drink it all, are you? This stuff's probably expensive. This true cork sits it on the table. I have no mouth. Yeah. I'm sure it tastes great, but no, I'm not going to drink it. I'm denied <laughs> that. It's all you. With that, Tira will... Leap over and inspect it. All right, so what do you need for this? A knowledge roll? Some sort of magic roll? What do you want, Kay? What yeah, is the mystery either, of the drink? It's uh, either alchemy would be your probably your first one, or knowledge uh, adventuring would also be appropriate. So either one. You know, I'm going to go with alchemy. 
I rarely get to do this stuff. Well, I should have done that. Because my character has no use for potions. But he wants to <laughs> heal things. How would you taste test him, though, if you did have him? Oh, he doesn't. That's experimentation. You just keep making people drink stuff yeah, until they don't a, scrunch their faces up, and then you're good. You need a patsy. A wonderful, willing, contributing volunteer that has gracefully accepted the charge of identifying the potion. Am I in any using condition, their tongue? Any condition to assist Troik and and help me identify? <laughs> it? No, you are not. <laughs> All right, so. Five green versus two purple. Yep. How do you have five greens? <laughs> Woo. Uh, you would know, uh, based on your observation of the patient, as well as your knowledge of all things alchemical and having knowledges of substances, that this is a mixture of a very potent sleeping draft with some type of uh, accelerator. Um, that was probably found on the island, and based on its uh, vicacious uh, nature and the color of it, you would guess that it is an ongoing sleeping draft, as in to knock someone out not just for a night, but for an extended period of time. Oh, with that, we will swap over to the other group. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> Alistair, you've kind of... Uh, Start of the distraction, Gene is kind of motioning you towards his assistant. Well, and, and being brushed off to go to the lower levels, Alistair kind of uh, gets a little guffy about that and says, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't ask for the lower levels. I'm looking for something with a decent challenge. You guys must have some kind of upper echelon of this, like boxing maybe? You wish to challenge one of the local strong cuffs? I don't see why not. So, uh, Sybil and Ehrlich, while he's making this conversation, what are you two doing? Ehrlich's reading the map. How about you, Sybil? Cry. Sybil might be driving. Um, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I just realized what time it is. I think Sybil is driving a car. All right, so we will assume Sybil is continuing to care for the goat. Uh, <laughs> Solid assumption. Um, does, does it look like like Alistair's not going to be able to keep this guy um, occupied for a moment? What I was going to add, sorry, I just parked the floor. Um, what I was going to add was Sybil is currently going to distract him also by having the goat go loose. And the goat is currently making a mess of the area and and is, is basically distracting the guy with the goat. Yep. All right. Excellent. So you kick the goat in the hindquarters, get it moving. Uh, Alistair is complaining about not wanting to go into lower echelons and things start to devolve into a bit of chaos. Gene Oh, wait, very wait. Distracted. wait a minute, wait a minute. And then Ehrlich, how close is 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 Ehrlich's new friend, the centaur? You're just across the table, so... Er- Ehrlich would just kind of point to the centaur's um, lyre, just like, 
give him a shrug, like, hey, maybe, maybe entertain us with a song? Does he need to be very vocal about this? For a drunk centaur? No. He immediately gets a big smile on his face as the chaos starts to ensue, and he pulls out his lyre and starts strumming a uh, jaunty little tune. At this point, the tent is pretty much descended into chaos. Uh, Gene starts to, like, kind of has to dodge around the goat, and he's trying to look at Alistair and talk to him. And eventually he just, he is, everything is going everywhere, and he finally, he stomps his foot. And as his foot comes down and makes contact with the ground, like a vibration runs out and through it as he yells, Enough! And, like, you feel the whole ground underneath shake and the whole tent flaps, like, almost fall. You see several of the pegs in the tent pop from the ground uh, as just, like, some type of magic just kind of infuses on the ground. Uh, He goes, Secretary, take care of that goat! And he looks at Alistair. You want to have a fisticuffs? Wait outside. We'll talk about the fisticuffs. <laughs> Alistair grins really wide and says, fine. Walks out the tent front flap. The secretary uh, tries and fails to corral the goat. He looks over at Sybil. Would you please retain control of your... Helix, I told you! Stop! Oh, hold up. Uh, Sybil's walking back to her computer. One second. Okay. Helix uh, picks a discordant tune on his uh, lyre and then uh, replaces it back underneath with a very satisfied grin on his face. Wait, what happened? The the secretary told you to get the goat. Darn it, goat, come here! As I take out a treat from my back pocket and try to lure the goat out from the area that it's currently jumping. Uh, now, I'm assuming this goat has quite a bit of familiarity with you, so is it interested in this particular treat that you have out? No. No, it seems disinterested, considering how many times I've tricked it in the past. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, after, after, you, after your attempt, the secretary kind of looks over to Gene. Gene kind of looks back at the secretary. Gene goes and looks at you again, Sybil. If you cannot corral that goat in the next 30 seconds, it will, I will corral it with the end of my mace. I mean, be my guest. It won't listen to me. It only listens to the guy that owns it half the time. And he doesn't like women. So, I mean, sure. He, okay, uh, time out. <laughs> okay. How subtly could someone cast a haste spell on the goat? Uh, well, you have advantage, because uh, the goat is distracting. Um, but you could do a stealth roll if you want to do a stealth magic-y thing. He should be able to just wiggle his hands under his table, though, right? Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, Early is going to attempt to cast haste on a goat, apparently. Was paying attention to the damn map. He is, but he has to make sure that this um this like everything keeps them busy as long as humanly possible. So by the time he's done with all this, he's gonna be able to draw the map from memory. Okay, so what 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 does he need to roll? Okay. Uh, so haste is an augment. Typically, that's swift. Um, uh, that would be a very very. Or actually, haste is right there. So targets effective spell second maneuver. So I would say that based on where you're at, that is average difficulty plus your haste. So three purple. And you said advantage because things are, are happening. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh. All right. Well, you get five advantages, but no successes, apparently. <laughs> so... How do you want to spend them advantages? You just want to, this to create a bigger distraction still, or? I feel, I mean, hmm. Yeah, let's, let's just have it create an even bigger distraction. All right. So the gene pulls his mace and chucks it at the goat. Um, it hits the goat, but it kind of the goat kind of tumbles with it, and it kind of tumbles into one of the braziers that's inside and knocks the brazier over and starts a small fire within, which in, totally enrages Gene even more uh, as he and the secretary rush over to... Uh, attempt to put it out. Helix laughs and picks up the barrel of wine and says, here, this ought to help. And he chucks the wine barrel at the flames, <laughs> causing a small explosion with what little li- wine was left in there. It wasn't much wine left, let's be honest. But uh, a small explosion of barrel fragments kind of ex- kind of holds Gene and the secretary back as they attempt to knock out the flames that are now starting to consume the tent of the command tent. Sybil's going to take the opportunity to cause more chaos and is going to then push a wind gust of wind to try to help them uh, take out the fire and cause more chaos because papers and shit are flying. All right, so you're actually going to try to extinguish the flame or are you going to blow the flame and add a little more oxygen to the fire? I'm going to add more oxygen to the fire. <laughs> okay. So uh, you cast, Sybil makes the cast, the flame spoosh up, papers go everywhere. At this point, people, Alistair, you, you've heard the brazier knock over and people are seeing flames and they're starting to run with water buckets towards the command tent. I 
this point, Ash, do you think we've caused enough fucking chaos for these people? They're going to kick us out. Well, I mean, we haven't caused any chaos. Alistair goes and picks up whatever nearest barrel of water he can find to, to assist with trying to put out this fire. All right. So with all of that, uh, I'd say, Ehrlich, you can pretty much, you've had your time uh, at the table for sure with the map. (laughs) Helix looks up. Well, he kind of stretches his back out a little bit and kind of stands up on all fours. I'd say this is a good opportunity for me to leave. And he picks up his loot and uh, I would advise the same for you. Yeah, that's a good idea, Helix. And Ehrlich would get up. He has thoroughly absorbed the map. And just looking over, Gene, where where do where do I need to report to? You said I need to, to follow someone. Gene is way involved in the command tent fire. He looks back at you, just a very cross look on his face. Says, just go find the group that's heading into the jungle. And he focuses back on the fire. Well, is it a group that's already out? Is it a group that... I, I mean, Gene, I'm not from here. I don't know who leads your groups. I'm sorry you, you're having these problems right now, but this isn't really part of our business. It's not our problem. So, so wait, wait. Can I, can I roll something to be really impressive to help put out these fires? Absolutely, Absolutely. yeah. Um, I'm going to... Uh, I guess I'm going to cast... Uh, magic and try to do like a magical downpour on the tent. Beautiful. So, what do I need to whip out? I need to whip out them. Sweet, sweet primal magics. This would count as a attack, I guess? Probably just utility. You're just carting water. I would say for this particular context, uh, one purple is probably fine. It's a pretty simple thing to do. Because you're not actually trying to actively, like, go crazy. Huzzah! Yep, that'll do it. <laughs> All right, tell us how you want that to look, because that's, uh, that's a triumph. The the cloud, instead of just being one giant lazy cloud, kind of doing a uh, drizzle, kind of uh, splits into several little itty-bitty clouds that kind of target the flames at ever so perfect a height that as they extinguish and the last little plume of heat goes up, it takes up the cloud and uh, kind of refills the, the nearby barrels and buckets that were emptied in an attempt to... Uh, to um, put out the fire and also uh, yeah that's it I'm sorry <laughs> that's good alright and as Jean now very wet and all the people around kind of see you oh, cast your magic you hear some utterings perfect amount of water no more no less <laughs> you hear some utterings from the people the adventurers around you um, a, cu- a few appreciative claps and cheers go up uh, from the display and then Jean, looking wet, tired, and everything else, just kind of looks around his command tent. It's out a very big sigh, looks at the secretary and says, we've got some cleanup work to do. And we'll switch back to their group. 
All right. All right. So, what is the state of Chukor now that his sleeping trout is uh, passed on its out, way working? Passed out, face first on the floor. Very good. All right. I don't now, know if you're going to be able to carry both of them out now. Tiru wanders over and nudges Chukork the cheek, see if he's actually out, out. Quite. And then neatly hops over and goes over to take a look at the books. <laughs> Do they have uh, anything written on their spines? They are not uh, written on the spines, no. All right. Before he touches those, he's going to go over and check the mirror, but not to look directly into the mirror, but look at it from the side. I get an angle. All right. You can see the sky out and above. Um, it doesn't appear to be... Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically like one-way glass, essentially, with some additional magic cast on it. So I don't know what exactly you're thinking you might see in it, but... Is it resting against the inside wall, against the side of a balcony, or just along a wall of the balcony? Like, how yeah, so is the, the mirror arranged? Yeah, so it's a, if you imagine, like, the back wall of the temple, like, it, it would go out um, from all three other sides to make a basically a square, right? Or a rectangle. Um, and then it would it slants at an angle up towards the above, too. So it creates kind of a, a porch effect, as it were, on the back of the temple. All right, so it just basically makes the porch look bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a clear side of the porch where there are, like, windows or other, like, airy, breezy ways? It's all one-way glass. It's, it seems to be pretty enclosed. I mean, there are small slits where the masonry of the rock of the uh, the porch has kind of faded away, but there's not, like, a window per se. But it, again, it's one-way glass, so you can see out and everything. Still. Damn. All right. That. Tiru is going to hop back over and do his cast to restore Chukork before he tries any experimenting. Safety right. first. Our dice trash bin appears to be missing. Is it? Oh, it's hiding. That'll do it. Alright, so we've got a heal of the restorative variety. What's our difficulty? I would say one because you're in touch range and one for the restore. Restoration's one. Yep, yep. So two. Two purple, I think. Toey stows two purples. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you can definitely uh, wake him up uh, quite effectively, actually. Um, Chukorg, you feel like you've had a very short night's rest, um, but you don't feel groggy anymore. Oh, so I don't have, like, a hangover or anything? Not with four successes. Oh, good. Yeah, Chukorg stands up. Stretches his arms out. Nope. 
As interesting as that drink is, I suggest you save it rather than drinking it. It is a <sighs> sleeping potion of extreme, extreme volatility and effectiveness. I knew that. It's true, Cork pockets the uh how much is left in it uh you'd probably say two to three wine glasses okay it's huge a, a fifth of an ounce or a fifth a fifth of sleeping potion i have bad news though it appears that this isn't actually the outside at all but some fancy pretend outside <sighs> well uh, we going back in the hallway with that thing? We should uh, check the books first. They are interesting. But let us not summon that thing, so if you would put an ear to the stone, let us see if there's any angry noises. Yes. True Gork listens intensely. Uh, you hear some movement um, coming from somewhere up towards... You, you assume whatever it was is probably on the roof now, based on what you can hear. I mean, it, again, this was just a circle staircase with a big hatch at the top, so, I mean, sound travels pretty well. Well, we might be here a while as Chukork grabs a chair, sits down in it, and kicks his feet up on the table. Perhaps we should check on BLT at this time, yes? Ah, hunk of junk. It's true cork. Uh, is there anything on this table I can throw at him? Just the decanter. <sighs> I don't want to throw it. Uh, true cork begins to... He acts like he's going to throw it, but then has second thoughts and puts it back. Well, anything in the books? We should give it a short bit and then check the books. Oh, got if time. they are magically alarmed like what is above, then it would be bad to check them now. What He's... are the chances of there being two traps in the same room? Extremely high, I two would imagine. Four... Walks over to the bookshelf. I tell you what it is. There's a hidden doorway behind this bookshelf. Your bond would point that out, yes. Yeah, you need two cork. I don't need no magic wand to point hidden doors out to me. And he he looks behind. Can I look behind the bookshelf? Sure, yeah. Two cork pushes the bookshelf about four feet over to the left. A lovely pile of dust kind of uh, pushes over with it. And then he starts pushing random bricks. Tiru hops <laughs> over and walks over and specks the dust. Hmm. It's very secretive indeed, the housekeeping mistress, hey, yes? You gotta hit the... You, uh, I don't know how this magic stuff works. Why aren't any of these glowing? It's true, Cork scratches his head. Because the want to beat them glow when you used it. <clears throat> it is perhaps in our best interest to wait a bit at that act. Let us give it 15 minutes or so. 
All right, we're going to wait it out. Just sit out, enjoy the view out through those mirrors, and perhaps we'll learn something out there. Yes? Yes, I'd like to look out the mirror. All right. As you guys kind of sit down and start waiting for that uh, 15 minutes to pass, about 10 minutes passes, and then um, you see something kind of snaking around the building from left to right, kind of just circling down and about through it's large and red, has random protrusions off the edge, wisps of smoke come off the protrusions. As this thing just kind of almost snake-like wraps its way down, down, down around the temple. It doesn't seem to notice you guys as you're in this little porch area, but you can see two very intense dark eyes looking around and a tongue tasting the air as it continues to wrap around the outside of the building going down the temple. If I had to make a educated guess, I would say that that is what we avoided. Yeah, it looks like he's mad. What did you do? Did I you didn't cork? do anything. Nonsense. I asked you to stop doing things. You did another thing. We got the second drawer, and then he was here. Well, you know... The goat may have attempted to steal some stuff up there, and I told him not to, but... Zuru takes that moment to look over at Chukor's pack. Does it look like there's more stuff in it? It's got a bunch of junk in it to begin with, so... If I recall, there you grabbed a napkin, silverware, and uh, plates. Chukork <laughs> removes a napkin and blows his nose with it. I didn't steal nothing. Chukork <laughs> inspects the napkin. Uh, on close inspection, it is a very fancy napkin. Um, it has, what, uh, with a trained eye, you could probably see some type of gold lacing around the edges um, with a small some type of spirit creature carved into um, the corner of one of it in gold scroll. Um, and it just, it is also monogrammed with the initials RL. What does the spirit icon look like? The spirit icon looks very similar to the thing that is currently wrapping its way down the temple. True cork yet takes the rag and uh, is uh, patting the sweat off of his head with it and then places it back in his pocket. Don't know what he's so upset about. Let's go check on the goat. Or should we check these books out first? I would suggest checking the books first. All right. Because if we have to run, we are running up to the goat and then over the side as that spirit was able to exit the temple and go around it. Which means from the top, it may not be guarded around the outside. Well, you check the books. I got the last, uh, I checked the last thing. All right. Go check BLT while I check the books. Yes. Chukork walks over to the broken robot and gives him a good kick in the side. Hey, he's still broke. Tiru audibly sighs at this and hops down, 
walks over to the displaced bookshelf and inspects the books. He would like to make an attempt at using his magical perceptions on the books before physically touching them to see if they also have horrifying alarms attached to them. Sure enough. Uh, you can perceive that there are no magical alarms on these books. Um, they appear to be standard books, and as you kind of um, start to peek in them, you'll notice that they're more like journals on the inside. All right, Yutiru will start with the leftmost one, logically being the earliest of the series, if there's any logic to be had in this mad temple. And we'll pull it from the bookshelf and then head over and hop up onto the table to flip it open. All right. Uh, you begin reading as you kind of work your way through the books. Uh, this appears to be the journal of one Reginald Leo. Uh, Reginald Leo is apparently one of the wizards from this temple. Uh, in the beginning, he starts talking about ancient discoveries of a portal deep beneath this ancient temple and what it could mean for the possibility of future. He also notes that this portal seems to act as a quasi-anchor for this island, preventing the planar shifts from affecting this area. Uh, this is very unusual. You find out that RL has been assigned here many, 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 many years ago, probably close to 600 years ago. And then uh, he was assigned by the then uh, master of the builders as a researcher. And he brought along a young assistant with him. And that young assistant grew incredibly impatient with the results and the amount of time it took to research this portal. And the next book in t is basically all about the experiments with the portal and attempting to open it or to stabilize it somehow. And then the third book reports the success of the stabilization of the portal and their first journeys into it and RL's growing paranoia that his assistant was somehow being affected by the portal and the spirits that were coming in and out of said portal. And with that, we switch over to the other group. Okay, so the moment they got out of the tent, or the moment they had started to really get away from all of the, all of the mess, um, I guess they're heading back towards Don's party? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so they're starting that way, back out the way they came. And Ehrlich would kind of take the opportunity to get one of his notebooks out and start sketching the map for memory. He'd kind of like tap Alistair on the shoulder and be like, just, just lead on, get us back to Don's party. I'm going to be working on this a minute. And he would try to get the outline of the coastline, where the island is, um, the specific high points. Like he's not going to have retained the, the sea currents necessarily, but he will have retained like the major land, like landforms and hazards is kind of the idea. All right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, on that note, Alistair begins to lead everybody in the direction of, uh, sorry, what was her name again? Don. Don. Sybil's going to collect the goat and follow them behind. How traumatized is this goat? 
Uh, not very traumatized. It's more of a, it had a big adventure and now it's ready for a nap. Fair enough. So it's not hard to find the path, Alistair, as you guys kind of proceed forward. If you recall, the tree-cutting device that they were using left quite a path, and it's very clear the sawdust and everything else that's been left behind. Uh, And it makes a pretty easy trail to follow the about 40 to 50 people that were headed into the jungle proper. Ehrlich would would kind of tap Alistair on the back again as they kind of, they're getting getting towards where they need to be, but they're not quite there yet. And just kind of be like, before we go any further, we have a basic rundown of this map. These people are here to interfere with the locals. How involved do we want to be? Okay, two things. One, we still need to get the robot. Two, we need to get the fox. Three, we need to get freaking two cord. You said two things, and that's three things. Where? You said a couple of things, and then I'm you aware. said three things. Anyway, if you're finished jotting all that down, I think it might be advisable to go check back on the boat. I could always try flying over there very quickly. And then we can do a rendezvous while we meet back up with this party to hold up on our end because a physical copy might still be a good bank. But if we want to protect what we already have, I don't know if you feel like it's more safe with us or back with the other dwarves. Barack and uh, his wife. Sybil, do you have any input here? I have no idea what he just said. All I understood from that was he said, go to the other ship, tell them, hey, we're okay, and come in. That's all I heard out of that. I mean, you have the map now. I don't see a point in not bringing the ship in. Well, he's also right that we need to get the other three. Well, he is a dragon, and once he's in dragon form and we're safely back on the ship, then he could go into the mainland and try to find them. You know? Not that simple. That would be a particularly long flight. Yeah, we can't cut and run entirely. I say this. If we can save some people in the meantime from needless slaughter, why not? But... Once we manage to stave off their death, we continue on, find our people, and then head back to collect our quote-unquote payment. But I still recommend that we do a slight side trip to go deliver our map in the event that, for whatever godforsaken reason, we get stuck. Here's an idea. Why don't we... Do, do we want them to succeed at this expedition? Because there is potentially a possibility, it exists, that we help them avoid the hazards that we have honestly established for them by our presence. And then having done that, turn around and go back to the camp 
get the map from Gene, tell them to continue on their way, and then let all of them sort out their interpersonal problems. As you said, go back to the boat, drop off the map with Rorock, and then... God. And then help them. I think the the big missing factor is also we can use whatever company or affiliations that these people have as at least a foot in the door for when we make landfall on the continent. So do you think the the people in the camp are more valuable than the people at these ruins? Are we ever going to interact with the people of these ruins once we leave this island? Probably Probably not. Right, but is there a chance that the people who come here to do their expedition and loot and plunder will eventually make their way back to their civilization, which is where we're heading towards? We could also send the cult of pleasure here. As much as I'd like to see them all rot. That seems dangerous. Again, it's I not our problem anymore. Uh, I don't believe that that woman would ever walk out of a situation empty-handed. Uh, that's fair. Let's let's yes, let's continue on. We'll help Don. She didn't seem like that ruined of an individual. You guys make your way deeper in. Um, if you guys proceed at a, a walking pace, you will kind of catch up with them eventually. If you or you can choose to expend some strain and catch up with them quicker. How much strain? I would say three strain to catch up with them. If you want to catch up quicker than when they make camp. Are we talking about an hour? Are we talking about like half day? What if what if what if Ehrlich cast a, a haste spell on the five of them? Yep, that's an option too. But let's go with the haste spell. Wait, wait, wait. Before we try to catch up with them, are we gonna determine whether or not we're gonna keep your rough draft of the map? Or do we wanna bring it back to the boat for safekeeping? Well I think that Okay, getting back into character. Um we don't know how this is going to end. Wait. And I would say in a worst case scenario, we can at least equip our people with something rather than nothing. You're misunderstanding me. We're getting out of this regardless of what happens. I'm just saying that we may not be able to finish this mission for Gene. I'll be fair. I have no intention of dying on this godforsaken island. So we will get off this island one way or the other. However, my only concern is whether we get the well-drawn cartographic map or the one that I just did for memory. So this is our insurance in case we fail, quote-unquote fail, at whatever it is that they... at luring them into the trap that we set up for them, essentially. Very well. 
Plus, if you leave and a problem introduces itself, it does introduce the possibility that I and Sybil and Brutus and the goat do not get off of this island. I mean, disaster will just become somebody's dinner. World War. Well, then let's continue on and catch up with Don. Here, let me cast some magic so that we can get there faster. All right. You guys begin moving at a pace, uh, following through the machine. A couple hours passes, and you can hear it off in the distance. And then you hear it kind of slow to a, a, a dull hum and then stop as you guys catch up with the group. Uh, guys, from the temple, you guys see, um, as you're kind of finishing reading your books, Yuturu, you can see and notice that some of the forest or some of the jungle seems to be coming down, um, crashing down from the north as it kind of seems to be like something is definitely cutting a swath through. Uh, you also notice Chukorg as you're waiting for Uturu to finish reading these stupid books. I was reading a book, too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I like to think I was narrating these things to him. Cork, uh was looking at the pictures in the book. Is the book upside <laughs> down? <laughs> no. No. Only when I get to a picture page is it flip print. <laughs> Um, you guys, you guys can, you guys can see activity, um, starting to happen, um, as you kind of maybe stop from your book or just look up to kind of see what's going on. In addition to seeing the jungle coming down, you notice a lot more where you saw the guards earlier. Um, there are a lot more of them down there. There's a lot more of the people from the local village, uh, starting to kind of congregate around the ancient temple. Important question. Mm-hmm. From this distance, do we see spirits fleeing from it? And do we see other spirits heading towards the line that they're making for the jungle? Uh, you see some spirits flying away. Uh, most of them are flying away from the thing knocking down the trees. Uh, and they do seem to be congregating and heading back towards the temple. All right. That is a big deal. So you guys, uh, the the other group, you guys kind of catch up with them as they hit the clearing that leads to the ancient temple. Uh, and you can see that there is an array of local villagers kind of uh, on the walls and on the outside of the perimeter of the ancient temple. They have some basic shields they have crafted together, all their random cobbled gear. And you see Don and her troops just kind of scoping out the area and kind of assessing what they should do next as you guys catch up. Don! Ah, yes, the adventures from the beach. Yes. We spoke to Gene and informed him of the problems, and after a spirited negotiation, we are here to lend assistance in those problems. You are speaking of, and she points over at the rabble, that problem? I'm guessing these are, I was up for a couple of seconds, are these tied up locals? Uh, no, they're, they're outside the temple. Basically, they have established a, a perimeter of guards uh, from the local village around the no. ancient temple. No, worse. No. <laughs> no. 
Um, no. The, whatever is contained in that temple has servants that wander this island. And they are not going to be happy that you are here. You speak of the traps that are within the temple. No. No, I speak of the spirits that inhabit this island, specifically the servants of the greater spirit that lives in that temple that has been trying to lure everyone over here, which is why it's wonderful that we're here. Ah, you have been speaking with Helix then. No, actually, though he does seem to be the only other person in this island that knows what's going on. Here you can see, and she points to her crew, 50 of my finest and, dare I say it, most uh, interested in loot uh, staff. And you are telling me that inside that temple is something that is going to prevent these 50 very well-armed, very well-trained adventurers from ascertaining that which their heart most desires. You've seen nothing on this island that makes you think that there are spirits wandering, correct? That is very true. That is the problem, and that is why we are here. I see. So you will handle the spirits, and I will handle the cutthroat looters that I have under my command. They do work for you. Do you need help with that? They will listen to orders as much as it is convenient for them. Don, you don't seem stupid. Thank you. We are here to protect you from something that you cannot see. I know this may seem insane to you. However, please trust me in this. Wait, wait, hold on. Uh, Alistair wants to pull away, and I want to do another Spider-Man stealth trick. I want to see if I can hide myself. There's a reason for this. Okay, well, you can certainly slink away into the jungle to hide yourself, absolutely. Do I need to roll stealth? Uh, Not until it becomes appropriate, I think. Because I want to start channeling something in a little bit. Okay. Presumably, everybody is gawking at the temple as defenders while rubbing their hands together going, <laughs> loot, yes. Am I right? Yep. Let us help you get out of this situation. I'm sure these gentlemen are very proficient at what they do. So do, what do you need our help for beyond the stated reasons? She kind of ruffles her hands through her hair. All right. Let me ask this in two simple questions. One, other than the obvious physical threat we must get through, what being those locals right there, if my people go in there with your assistance, will they survive? To be perfectly honest, I don't think we have any way of knowing. Okay. Then are you telling me that I need to convince these 50 people not to go in there? I do not think that's possible. Okay, so while this conversation is is starting, I'm going to try to start casting this thing, and I'm going to need a story token, but because it's not going to happen, and I kind of want this to be a surprise, 
Um, I'm going to type it out to you, Jay. All right. Let me put it to you this way, Don. It would perhaps behoove us to not go in the front door. Just in case, say, for example, these people that are here standing in front of this temple that seemingly have some purpose to prevent people from getting inside of it. Let's just say that maybe they do communicate with these spirits in some way. Do you want to run the risk that the otherwise very well-trained martial organization that you have is exhausted, thus leading to problems later, perhaps when we may need their services? Yes, that is a good point. So let's not tell them not to go. Let's just simply scout out the situation and try to figure out the most intelligent way to go about this. She nods at you. She looks over at the group. Set up a perimeter! And she uh, yells it out. Um, And then the the group begins to immediately kind of break into standard defensive formations and start setting up a perimeter. Uh, The locals... um, Yuturu and Chukorg are kind of fanned out around the temple, as it were. Um, and they're kind of looking about trying to figure out what to do in this scenario. Is it put back to us? Yep. Yeah, well, I... I, wonder, I wonder what they're going to be fighting over. <sighs> they are probably like you, but less noble. So okay. they want the shinies that you want. Fancy villagers, as we now know, they know nothing. They are primitives who have not even entered the temple. And thus they will probably try to keep them out. Let's go check on the goat. Can we do that? Let's get out of here. um, Give me a moment here. And with that, Yuchiru would like to go and gather the books. Because... Actually... This is a retroactive question. Were the books also covered in dust in addition to the bookshelf? Yes, they were. All right, this is good. Tiru is stealing these books. Of course, liberating them would probably be the proper term because anybody that leaves books in these conditions deserves to have their books taken. It's a fucking crime. (laughs) So he's going to take the books and carefully put them into Chukork's pack. I was about to say, Chukork sees this little squirrel critter trying to carry all these books, but... (laughs) How am I supposed to carry all this crap? These books are more valuable than everything else we have found. Everything else we have talked to. Paper. Paper, you dear. Look at this. Uh, All right. Think of it this way, Chukork. These books are my loot, yes? I rarely ask for anything, yes? You ask for an awful lot. But not material things. This is important. These are the first material things I have been interested in in a long, long time. Fine. They are our story of the temple, they are our answer, and perhaps to our companions, they are a key. Chukork. 
begrudgingly agrees. All right, and with that, Yuturu is going to hop down from the table, head over, and check the wall for a corresponding brick. Is there anything he can sense that may be an easier indicator of how we can flip it back? Like, is the same brick still there? It's since the same brick. Technically, Push we're on yeah. that side. Back the other yep. way. All right. Yep. Come along, Chukork. We are going to go up, up, and hopefully I will find a way to join you up there. If not, we will have to go out the long way. All right. All right. We venture up the stairs. After flipping dramatically around through the lever. All yeah. right. Yes. The thing Scooby rotates stuff. around once again, and you're back inside the main thing, the main temple proper. Before we head up, Yutiru is going to take a moment to listen and see if anything's going on within the temple after seeing all the stuff going on outside. Uh, you notice a lot of minor spirit activity as things kind of flit about uh, inside this, where before it was just kind of an empty chamber with a big, you know, big hole and then the, the, the wall or the stairs around the outside. And now it appears well. to be a lot of minor sp- spirit activity inside this temple. All right, we should keep clear of them and head up, yes. Uh, let's do it. So, True Cork heads up the stairs. Yateru dutifully follows, using his manipulative spell to levitate BLT along behind them. We get to the platform. Chukorg uh, sticks his head up through the hatch to you see, see if anything. the goat is okay. There is no longer a goat on the top of this platform. Um, nah. The rope... That was attached to the goat, or that you had stuck the goat on and connected that to the chest, is been frayed off as if it had been bitten in two, as it were. Ah, my heart. What do you mean, your heart? You expected Uh, this. You wanted your sacrifice, yes? Well, yeah. Well, maybe. Let's not let his sacrifice be in vain. I'm going to go grab that chest. No, no, no. Do not touch the chest yet. Uh, that goat would have died for nothing if we don't retrieve this. Remember the big snake. Yes. Uh, it will be back with the angry the... spirits below. He's but we have gonna... the situation outside. Yes. He... He's going to think it's just another goat. But if he's hungry, that might be a bad Chukork. thing. I, I know you want this, but think of it this way. If you wait, we can go down and get the eggs. Yes? The uh, eggs are more valuable than chest. Fair, uh, I need eggs anyway. That chest is too heavy. It's true, Cork. Change begrudgingly. Inspect the sides while I find a way up. Yes? Are you coming up, or are we going back the way we came in? A moment. And with that, Yuturu would like to attempt to find, as this has been described, sort of like a net to prevent spirits from coming in, if I recall the terminology correctly. Mm -hmm. We'd like to find a hole in the net to exploit. Ah, yes. Uh, It takes some time, but uh, now knowing that another spirit has passed through it, you kind of intuit that there may be some way to 
either get through the net, squeeze through it, or disable the net temporarily. Uh, and after a little bit of searching and thinking, uh, you spot a weakness in the net that you can probably teleport through and up to the top. Tiru will immediately do so. As you guys make it to the top, you see the chest has been put back in the exact spot, Chukorg, where it was originally housed in back in its upright position. Uh, and as you kind of inspect the rest and kind of look out over the ramparts, uh, you see down towards the clearing, uh, the two groups kind of facing off uh, across the field from each other. They're just kind of sizing each other up, as it were. One of them is setting up defensive lines. And then you hear the earth kind of start to shake down by the bottom of the temple. And what can only be described as a huge golem-type creature starts forming itself from the ground of the earth, raising up the ground shakes as this spirit creature golem rises. Um, it has very similar clothing on it to what BLT has on right now. And it's almost, you would almost say it's like a fake copy, but it looks surprisingly familiar as this golem creature makes its way up. You hear the people, the, the locals start to scream, rushing back to the inner wall of the temple, back to the, the hole in the wall and the sally gate. You see the people down across the other way gear up, you see them drop into defensive stances and kind of fall back to their back palisades. Ehrlich would make a motion to the thing while looking at Dawn and going, like, see? See? This is why we're here? I'm really hoping we get Mega Shredder versus Giant Rock Hall. <laughs> that is where we'll leave it for tonight. Well... I don't know how you manage it, but there's always more 